Well, it's great to be here worshiping with you this morning, and uh, it's great to continue in the series. We are in a series that is looking into the end of John chapters 20 and 21 and the details and the depth of this truth. He is risen. Jesus Christ, he is alive. We have hope because we serve a God who loves so much that he came to this place. We have hope because we serve a God who not only came to this place, but he died for us. He rose again for us. He brings for us a conquering of sin and a conquering of death. And him alive is utterly essential to our hope. And all of God's people said, and so John, as he ends the uh, gospel of John with, hey man, there was this resurrection thing that happened. He's like, hang on, hang on. Let me give you a sequence of witnesses to prove that this is true. And uh, so he walks through kind of like a courtroom setting, uh, a group of testimonies that get delivered up, all of them high character people, all of them firsthand witnesses, and all of them willing to die for that truth. And uh, that's going to come up a little bit in today's passage even. And we just need to know, man, these people took a stand and John recorded out and uh, made sure that we had a chance to understand and hear a little bit from them. And so turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 21, starting in verse 15. John chapter 21, as we're looking at really the fifth and sixth witnesses, kind of lumped together, this is uh, Peter and John brought together into one story, and Peter's kind of center stage on it, and so in the true sense of a courtroom setting, Your Honor, we call to the stand Peter and John, and we want to hear the testimony from them, right? So point number one here, witness called, Peter walked with Jesus and experienced his shepherding love. Peter walked with Jesus and experienced his shepherding love. That's point number one. And so we're going to dive into this passage today. And uh, this may be a passage you have heard before, maybe a passage you've heard preached before. A lot of different pastors have preached on this and walked through it. And it's really important that we grasp what's going on in it, all right? We're going to take some time. You may have actually heard some things explained that weren't quite right. And so we're going to get some things square today as we walk through this passage, all right? So here we go, starting in verse 15. Um, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, and then it goes on with some interchange between Jesus and Simon Peter. When they had finished breakfast, remember last week we were talking about this moment where the disciples had gone out to fish. They had gotten away some 60 miles up north around the Sea of Galilee somewhere. And uh, they were out fishing and doing their thing. And Jesus came along and taught them how to actually fish, right? And told them, hey, where to throw and timing on. And they pulled in this huge uh, pull-in of fish. And they ended up coming out to the shore and meeting with Jesus and laughing and talking and cooked up some fish and had breakfast. And they physically ate with Jesus. Everybody say, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal, man. He is physically risen from the dead. And so he physically ate with them. Peter actually testifies to that in Acts and uh, makes a big deal of it. And so they had breakfast together. We know about the Last Supper. We hear about that a lot. And there's some interaction together as they talk at the Last Supper and the story of it. This was the last breakfast, right? And so we talked about that last week. It, after the breakfast, when they had finished the breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. They went on a little stroll. They had a little talk with one another. And Jesus had some things to say. 
So what we're going to do is I'm just going to read through this interchange first, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about it. All right? So here we go. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay, so this is just a little interchange where Jesus is asking, getting an answer, and then giving some direction. And then asking, getting an answer, and giving some direction. And he walks through that several times over. In fact, he walks through this three times over. And why is that a big deal? Well, in fact, if you go back just a little bit earlier in Peter's life, right, we back it up just a couple of weeks, and Peter's the guy who's leading the charge with all these disciples. He's super excited about what's going on with this guy called Jesus Christ who's going to be the Messiah, and he's going to take over, man. He's going to be the king of everything for all eternity, and he's getting super excited. And, and then Jesus is taken captive, and Jesus is being mocked and beaten and Peter doesn't understand what's going on at all, and as he's trying to escape away, somebody's like, hey, 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 you're one of those disciples that was with him, weren't you? And he's like, um, no, I don't know him at all. And, and, and then he moves a little further, and it happens again and again, and he actually denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And so now Jesus is going to walk through a little question with him, and he's going to ask for some commitment three times over. This is actually the restoration of Jesus, or Peter back into ministry. Peter, he pulled away, he veered off, he denied out. In fact, when he was given the information that Jesus is alive and he was super excited about it, he's like, all right, I'm going fishing. And he just takes off with some guys and goes up 60 miles north and hangs out by themselves a little bit. He's not engaged in the plan. And Jesus is doing a restoration call out a reestablishing of him as leader, getting him set up and ready to rock. So he's got some pretty key questions to this guy who's denied him out three times, all right? And so here comes the restoration. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Now, I want to talk about the more than these part first, and then we'll move ahead, all right? So do you love me more than these? What does that mean? And just so you know, the original language isn't much more clear than what the English says there. It literally just kind of says more than these. And so here's a couple of options. It could mean more than this stuff, right? We're out here by the Sea of Galilee and you came away to go fishing. And do you love me more than this fishing stuff? Are you willing to get on with it? Could mean that. It could mean, do you love me more than these people standing next? These disciples, you ran away with seven disciples to just go do your own thing. Do you love me more than them? It could mean that. It could also mean, do you love me more than they love me? These disciples have a clear dedication and they're in. How about you? It could mean that. In fact, many think it does mean that because actually in Matthew, at one point, Peter being, well, being Peter, ended up saying, Lord, even if they all run away from you, I'm in. 
right? And he gives that kind of statement. And so maybe this is Jesus kind of responding to that and saying, let's get this thing clear. Let's make sure we get this right. And uh, whichever it means, for sure it's this. Peter's being challenged. Man, where is your love for me? And Peter certainly heard it that way. As we look at Peter's answer, he doesn't camp on the more than these part. He camps on the love part, all right? And so the emphasis here really is, dude, where's your love for me? Where are you at with that? That's what's going on here, okay? Now, that said, in order to understand what happens in this passage, we're going to have to understand two words in the original language. We've got to understand two Greek words. So in the Greek, they actually had four words for love. And uh, we're not going to talk about two of them today. They're not in this passage. But two of the words for love are in this passage, all right? And uh, so the one word is agape, and the other word is phileo. Agape and phileo, okay? And so we've got these two loves, these two different types. And if you've been around church for a while, I'll just say it this way. If you were in church in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, you may have even heard something like this. Agape is divine love. And phileo is like a brotherly kindness. It's a human love. It's a brotherly love, like that kind of thing. And so one's sort of better than the other. Agape, phileo. You may have heard that. And uh, everybody say, that's not true. Okay, that's, you're like, I'm taking your word for it. That's okay. Take my word for it. It's not true, all right? To be able to say that one is greater than the other, you've got a real problem. In fact, both of them are divine love of sorts. You're like, really, Tim? You're going to have to prove that. Okay. So let's start with John 3.16. I'm going to need you to fill in the blank here for me, so get ready. John 3.16. Here we go. For God so... Okay. And that's the agape word. For God so had this agape love, and, and it speaks to a will engaged. It is selfless. It is others-oriented. It is completely sold out in for this. The will is engaged. It's an act of sacrificial love for another. Okay? And that's agape love. That is absolutely what it's about. For God so... Okay, almost worse on the pickup there. For God so... Okay, the agape love. And, uh, but there is also a phileo love, and we see that of God as well. John chapter 5, verse 20. It says that God the Father loves God the Son. God the Father has this phileo love for the Son. And and this is a divine love as well. It speaks to the relational warmth. It speaks to the connectedness, okay? And so the phileo love, it is sacrificial. The phileo love, it is others-oriented. The phileo love, it is a deep Warmth and care, the relational warmth is what's really kind of being emphasized in it. And so I'll just say it this way real quickly. It's not agape is up here, phileo is down here. Everybody say not that. It's more like there are two facets to a diamond. And the one diamond is the love of God. It is sacrificial, others-oriented, unconditional, the love of God, okay, And one facet of it is agape love that calls out kind of the will, the action. And have you ever heard somebody say, hey man, love is an action word, right? Have you heard that said, right? And so like 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. And that's the agape word. It speaks to the will. There's an action engaged. Phileo love, it's also this sacrificial, others-oriented, divine love. But it speaks to the brotherly warmth, this relational connect, this depth of relationship with one another that is stirred along with the sacrifice, okay? 
So those are the two parts to it, agape and phileo, two facets of the same diamond called divine love. We all good with that? Here endeth the Greek lesson, all right? So here we go. Now we're going to dive in and we're going to use that information a little bit. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? Do you have your will engaged sacrificially, unconditionally, and others-oriented? Do you agape me? That's the word there. Is your will engaged sacrificially, unconditionally, will engaged? And uh, Peter responds to him. He says to him, what does he say? Say it bigger, say it louder. What does he say? Yes, Lord. And so the question is, do you agape me? Peter says, yes. yes. Let's just hold there for a minute. Yes. And so if you've ever been taught that agape is greater than phileo, agape is like divine love and phileo is like human love. And, and so when Jesus was asking, do you agape me? And Peter says some other answer that maybe he's doing a lesser thing. If you've been taught that, in fact, take a look at what it says. He says, yes, Lord, you know, you have some fact, you know that I phileo you. So he's asking, do you have this agape love for me? And Peter's answer is, yes. yes. And so don't say Peter doesn't have agape love. Some would say he answered, I phileo you. So he's like, well, you know, uh, you're, up, you're asking, I, I'm at least here, and, and you're asking for this, but, you know, I'm getting there. I'm kind of warm towards you. And uh, some say that that's what that means. Everybody say, it's not that. It's not that, man. This, remember, this is Peter. He's like, he goes all in, okay? And, and so the question is, is your will engaged? Do you love me with this unconditional love? Answer, yes, yes. Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I have this brotherly warmth. I am unconditionally committed to you. I'm in, and I have this passionate, deep relationship with you. He's like, yes, Lord, to the will. Yes, Lord, to the relationship. He's one-upping it even almost. He's like, if there's a difference that you want to see between agape and phileo, then he's adding to it, not subtracting from it. And there's a lot of similarity between agape and phileo. There's a lot of similarity. There's a huge overlap. There are two facets to the same diamond. And so, yes, sacrificial and yes, unconditional and yes, others oriented. And so he's answering in the affirmative, but he's actually giving more information to it. And he's like, so, yeah, 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 my will is in. I'm in. And then in true Peter style, man, I'm so like warm. I'm like relationally connected with you. I'm in. Let's do this. That's his answer. Jesus is like, great. Feed my lambs. What? Now, he asked, do you love me? And then he says, feed my lambs. So, first of all, we have to catch that this is a metaphor. He doesn't have a few little lambs walking around behind him. And he's like, hey, can you get them some grass while you're here? Like, it's not that, right? This is like, hey, you need to know, we're talking about people and these followers of Jesus Christ, and they're trusting in Christ. And he's like, Peter, I'm going to need you to take these people to a place where they can be growing feeding on the depth of the word and the truth of what you've seen. Are you ready to start leading those who love me 
to a higher level of growth, helping them grow. This is a call out to Peter to begin to be a leader of the early church. Get ready. You're going to raise people up. If you love me, you're going to help people grow, my little lambs. So now I ask you again, Peter. He says a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Okay, look, I asked you the first time, and you said yes, but then I gave you the definition of what it would take, you going out and caring for the people who are going to be my followers. So now I ask you again, do you agape love me? Do you have your will engaged? Are you really willing to get this thing on? Do you agape love me? He says to him, what's his answer? Yes, Lord. So again, for anybody who says, no, he didn't agape love, he lessered, and that, that would be a terrible answer. Yes, Lord, I have this agape love for you. And uh, you know, you have this factual understanding that I love you. And again, he says, phileo. He's like adding to it. Yes, Lord, the will. And yes, Lord, I'm so with you. You and me. You and me, I got this relationship thing with you. It is warm, it is on fire. I am with you. This will last for eternity. We have this connection that is so, like I'm standing for you. Yes, Lord. And uh, tend my sheep. Okay. Um, shepherd the flock is what this really says. And uh, does Peter understand the meaning? Well, when Peter writes his letter, First Peter uh, when he writes that in 1 Peter chapter 5, he's talking to the elders and he's like, hey, here's what it's going to take for you to be a good elder of the church, a good pastor of the church. You must, ready, shepherd the flock. He shares the exact command he heard from Jesus Christ. This is what a good leader does and what does it mean to shepherd? Yes, you're getting to a point where they can eat, feed, grow. You're helping them grow, but more than that, you're defending them. You're standing on their behalf. You're protecting them. You're willing to take a weight on your shoulders so that a weight can come off theirs and they can grow under that better. You're willing to take a pressure off and that pressure sits on you. That's shepherding, man. And a shepherding isn't finding people that can make you feel good about you. That's not shepherding. Shepherding is being able to lay it on the line so that others can be bettered the entire time. And it's sacrificial through and through. It's laying it on the line for you. And this is our call as pastors and elders. Man, I just want you to hear me. We love you. And uh, we're willing to lay it on the line with all we've got. I'm telling you, God is at move in this place. He's working huge. And man, we are willing to be there and be there on your behalf and stand in the gap and take the load or the weight whenever that's reasonable, right, and necessary we are in. May God be glorified as you are growing. Hear me. We love you. And that's shepherding, man. And this was the call to Peter. Are you ready to shepherd? Shepherd the flock, lay it on the line, Give it all you've got. I'm sure Peter was looking at him intently like, yeah, yeah, right, I'm in, I'm in, right? And uh, so he now says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And here we go. Jesus, the first two times, said, do you agape me? Do you agape me? Peter each time answered, I phileo you, I phileo you. 
Now Jesus says, okay, Peter, do you phileo love me? Do you have that love for me? He's now calling out the other kind of love. He's like, look, we're talking about facets of the diamond and I've asked for your will twice over. You've answered yes and, so now I ask you, do you have that brotherly, this unbelievable connectedness, warmth, unconditionally, sacrificially, others-oriented, relationally connected to me? Do you have that? Now remember the other two times Peter's been asked a question and it's, hey dude, are you in? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm in. But this time, he's actually using Peter's words and saying, are you that? That's sort of a call out, isn't it? There's a moment where you're like, well, are you calling me a liar? And uh, Peter's response, um, Peter ends up being asked, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know how much? Everything. Does Peter understand that Jesus is God? Okay, for those who wrestle with Jesus being called God and saying, I don't know if I've ever seen it in Scripture, man, you've got to open eyes to what's being said. There is one person in all of eternity that knows everything. And that person is God Almighty. And that's it. And, and some of you are like, I don't know, man, my spouse claims to know everything. And uh, no, they know a lot. I'm not getting in the middle of that. They know a lot, but uh, everything, this is God and God alone, all right? And uh, this is a huge deal. And uh, Lord, you know everything. And again, he's saying you factually have this understanding. Now, one more thing you need to know is there's actually a couple of words for the word know in Greek. And uh, the first one is, you know it factually. And the second one is you know it relationally, experientially, okay? And uh, so now he changes verbs, and for the whole time he's been using this word, you factually know, you factually know, you factually know. And now he jumps to this other one, and he says, Lord, you know everything factually. You experientially know that I love you. Lord, you know, you've seen this brotherly connect. You've seen this phileo. You've seen and experienced. I'm with you. You with me. God, I was there. Jesus, I watched you heal. I laughed with you. I cried with you. I ate with you. I slept alongside you in nowhere land. I stood up for you. I actually went to the mat for you. I've been there. For you know experientially. I love you. I love you. And um, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Third call out in a row that if you love me, you will be about growing this kingdom and building up people around me who are on fire for me. Help them grow. This is a call out to Peter, and I got to tell you, man, this is super important from the three-part denial. This is Jesus Christ now giving a three-part restoration. And he's like, here's the beauty of it. I know there's been sin in your life. I'm ready to work with you. Man, that is our God. And if you're in here today and you're like, you don't know what's been in my life, I'm telling you we serve a God who loves to forgive. And all of God's people said, 
Man, huge, huge deal. I'm telling you, we have the opportunity to come alongside, step up, and make much of our king. And there may be different things we need to walk through for healing and restoring of those we have hurt. I'm not saying skip past that step. Man, take forgiveness for real and walk the process. Go through what you need to go through. Restore what you need to restore. In due time, know this. You serve a loving, restoring God. And all of God's people said, and that's huge. And Peter's being restored. Peter's being put back in place as the leader. Basically, I'll put it in one sentence. Hey, Peter, are you done denying me and running off fishing after I've told you I'm alive? Are you ready to engage in this thing and get some things done for me in the kingdom? Are you in? Are you in? Are you in? That's what's going on. Peter gets it. I'm sure he had the head nod, much like some of you just did as I was saying it. And, uh, and so Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, all right, when somebody's talking to you and they use the past tense of young, that's that moment where you're like, hey, I'm still a little bit young, right? He's like, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. Peter, you used to wander around, and, and really, of all the people, Peter is the best one to be saying this about. Mr. Impetuous, run where you want, do what you want, think in the moment, maybe even after the moment, right? Jump first, think later. And he's like, hey, Peter, you've known the freedom of being able to wander about, but... And whenever we hear that, it's contradicting, right? And it's saying, you had freedom, implication, now you won't. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Everybody say that means crucifixion. You're like, really? It sounded to me like stretch out your hands. And uh, hang on, we're going to connect it together in just a second. That's a really bad moment. You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And to this idea of being stretched out and tied to the cross beam of the cross and having to carry it to the place where you will be crucified. And really, how are we sure this is really about death? John says next, this he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. So just so you know, I'm not reading between the lines. I don't have some special word from the Lord. I just read the next verse, right? And just make sure you read scripture, super clear, super obvious. And John's like, just so you know, he was talking about his death. And uh, can you imagine Peter now? You're like, dude, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, yes, I'm so in. You're going to die for me. Oh, well. Hey, that's really a party killer. Why did you tell me that now? And uh, what's up with that? And, and uh, John says he told him that by what kind of death he was to, what are the last two words there? Glorify God. I am calling you to love me, and this is how you're going to stand for me, and it is going to show to people everywhere how much you believe in God Almighty. And Jesus Christ, as God, you are going to glorify him with your very life and with your very death. After saying that, he said to him, follow me. Are you hearing that? 
Now, Jesus Christ is like, I've just called you to love me. You said you're in. I've told you it'll be for caring for the people around and raising up this church. There's going to be a cost in the middle of it. There is. And hear me now. Follow my steps. It's actually in the ongoing present tense. Follow me. Continue to follow me in the present. It's going to lead you down a path. And what path did Jesus model and go on? A path of taking a stand that walked him to the cross. And so part of the statement here is, you're going in my footsteps, maybe more than you ever understood. Hear me, Peter, I've just reinstated you to a position and I'm calling you out to love on me and the sacrifice of following me is going to be your very life. Are you in? And so he gives him this command, follow me. Walk in my steps Use me as a model. Allow the Holy Spirit to conform you to my image. Yes, look like me, but way more than that, you specifically are going to experience what I've experienced. Rejection by men and the cross, all for the glory of God. Follow me. Man, living in America is just soft, isn't it? And we hear words like this and we're like, oh, I know what he means. Like, I got made fun of yesterday. That was hard. Right? If I'm going to be standing for Jesus and people are going to be like, you're an idiot. Like, wow, this is hard to carry that load. And uh, you need to understand that is just not the way it is in other parts of the world. And you take a stand for Jesus Christ and I'm telling you it may even cost you your very breath that moment. And uh, it may even knock your coffee cup over just where you sit. <laughs> we all good, babe. <laughs> we good? All right. This is a hilarious front row moment up here right now. Uh, so I have no idea where I was. <laughs> Sacrifice, yes, coffee cups, right. Um, so bottom line, when we are called to follow, I don't know how to enter this well, so just enter with me. Here we go. When, when we are called to follow Jesus Christ, it is with a cost. And all of God's people said, Amen. when we are called to follow Jesus Christ, Yes, we are running after him. And it doesn't mean that each of us is called to a cross. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that my life for him, no matter what the cost, self-sacrificing. And all of God's people said, man, that is love. It costs me for his glory. The end. Do you love Jesus Christ? Are you willing to follow him? See, this world has a whole different view of love. In fact, this world has changed love to where it's very conditional, right? And uh, we meet somebody and we're like, oh, I hear you're really like falling in love with someone. What does that phrase mean? Well, what we mean by it is you're beginning to see character traits about them you like or respect and there's something happening. There's a conditional reason for how you feel about them. Dude, that's not biblical love. Just so we're clear, biblical love is because you exist, I'm sacrificing for you, right? And so uh, here's here's a little writing. This is from Pascal, a dude who was a great thinker of the past. He wrote, if a man loves a woman for her beauty, does he really love her? No. 
For some disease, such as smallpox, which destroys her beauty without killing her, causes his love to cease. If anyone loves me for my judgment or my memory, does he really love me? No, for I can lose these qualities without ceasing to be. Pascal was beginning to lean on the unconditional nature of love. And divine love is self-sacrificing and unconditional. I'm in. That's divine love. That's God for us. That's why it says, for God so that he gave his only begotten son sacrifice for this world. All right? And uh, here's a letter, a little bit of an example of this world's kind of love. Dear Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Um, Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. <laughs> right? And, uh, and how much is our love centered on something they have or something they are or something they're conditional? And uh, I just wrote this down. True biblical love is not caused by another's attributes, but rather by, my, by God's pure love poured into my soul. True biblical love, it's God's pure love poured into my soul and spilling out, and it's touching those around. Man, I'm telling you, we run in a conditional world. Don't run with them. Love. And all too often, it's easy to even get conditional with God. Okay, because you're doing for me, then I'll then I'll love you back. And uh, we need to hear this, man. Just because God exists and is, we love. And now he starts pouring into our life and he shapes and changes and grows and heals and man, that just fills us up with this unconditional love of him to me and it makes me now be able to be this unconditional love outward towards others. Respond, hear me, love, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And then as he called here, and love the sheep, pour it on, growing them, protecting them, caring for them. A huge part of leadership, care, and love for Jesus Christ is protecting this church, caring for you. Amen, man. Amen. May you be protected and cared for by our love. And may others sitting right next to you or in your sphere of influence be cared and protected for by your love. Man, do you love Jesus Christ? Agape, will engaged. Phileo, this deep, connected relationship that will last for eternity. Self-sacrificing, others-oriented, I'm in. Do you love And uh, I just wrote this simple question down. Man, have you experienced God pouring his love into your life? Have you experienced that? If the answer to that is, I don't know, man, today is the day of salvation because that's what comes with salvation. Love on him, lean on him, trust in him, and may he pour into your life an experience of deep love. And then love him back with all you've got. Follow him with all you've got. 
Lay your life on the line for him in every moment, simply saying this, Lord, may you get the glory, whatever that looks like. How many times have we said the battle cry? My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I am not here for what I get. I am here for your glory. What does it take, Lord? I'm in. Love him. Follow him with all you've got. That's point number one. Point number two is going to be a lot quicker here. Here we go. Follow Jesus just as Peter was called to. Follow Jesus just as Peter was called to. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Everybody say, that's John. Right? This is the guy who wrote the book of John. And uh, he's going by the name, the one whom Jesus loved. He's using that here. And so Peter is walking along and it says, he turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So you got to get this. Peter and Jesus have started strolling away from the breakfast. And they're beginning to chat. And Jesus turns to him and is like, so, do you agape me? Oh, you know. I phileo you. I'm in, right? And back and forth. Love, love, feed my sheep. Love, love, feed my sheep. Back and forth, right? And then he gets the third one. And then he's like, just so you know, you used to be free to run around, but you're going to die on a cross for me. Now follow me, right? And John is following behind. And he's kind of hearing little bits, and he's like, oh, smoked. (laughs) Woo! Right? And Peter's like, hey, he's following me here. And uh, he sees the one following him, the one whom also leaned back against Jesus during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? John felt that he really needed to make clear who he was right now. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Can you imagine? You're like, and you are going to die on a cross. Oh, man. What's going to happen to him? Right? Like, get it off of me right now. I'm not really, hey, let's get him in this little pity party moment. What's going to happen to his life? Right? And uh, just so you know, that's not a really strong leader moment. When you're like, this is what it's going to cost you. And you're like, what will it cost the guy next to me? I I need to know that too. I kind of have to understand the whole lay of the land here first, right? Not a strong leader moment. And so he's like, so what, what about him? What about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Let's just talk about this sentence for a little bit. It says, if, everybody say if. So there's this conditional little thing on it. And he's like, look, suppose he never ever dies. And when I return, he's just here. He never had to die. Suppose that were it. Does that change your answer? Right? What is that to you? If this man doesn't suffer at all, does your answer change? And uh, hopefully our answer to that question would be, yeah, no. No, at least I know that's what I should say. Right? And uh, I think not. And uh, Jesus is like, you follow me. Just so you know, in the original language there, it is, notice it doesn't say follow me this time. It says you follow me. So in the original, it put in that pronoun you. That's emphasis. You follow me. See what he's doing? Jesus is looking at John and going, how's he going to die? What's it going to cost him? I need to understand how fair this thing is. What, he was just listening in, and so he has to hear this now. What's going to, and he's like, no, 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 no. You. You 
follow me. Peter, you're still too interested in what's going on with other people. It's time for you to just worry about what's going on with God Almighty and God alone. You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple, John, he's talking about, was not to die. Now, I don't know how that word got passed along. Maybe there was somebody else walking along with John and thought they heard it. Somebody starts, it's clearly not John spreading it. Maybe it was Peter that spread it. We don't know who spread it. But somebody started saying, I'm serious, dude. Jesus said he's not going to die. Yeah, John, the one he loves, is going to be around until Jesus returns. And the rest of us, we're all going to die. Like, that's what I think I heard. I'm pretty sure that's the message. Jesus said John's not going to go through it. And John's like, nuh-uh. That's it. He's like, no, that's not what was said, right? He said, uh, so the saying spread that uh, this disciple would not die, but that is not what Jesus said to him. He did not say that he was to die. He said, if it is my will. Everybody say if. Question, is it his will that John doesn't die? Well, actually, that's not a part of the topic right now. He's just saying, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you my will for him. I'm telling you what you do is about my will for you, and are you going to do it? Let's not talk about him right now. That's not in topic. And it got changed to, fine, then you're saying he's not going to die. I think that's really unfair, and I'm going to tell others about it. Right? And uh, he's like, no, that's not what was said. John's like, he didn't say I wasn't going to die, and in fact, John, John did die. And uh, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. This is where we actually get the lockdown that the one whom Jesus loved and the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest and asked a question and all of those, this is John. And uh, he says right here, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has uh, written these things. John is the author of this book. And we know that this testimony is true. Fact. Trust it. Count on it. Lean on it says, now, there are many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Everybody say, that's a lot of books. Jesus did a lot of things. A few of them are captured that we might know and understand this. He is risen. He is alive. He is God Almighty. Jesus Christ. He has conquered death he has conquered sin. He is king. Do you love him? Are you willing to follow him? Are you in? And that was Jesus' question to Peter. And really, that's our question even to us today. Do you love him? Sacrificially, hear me, not American love, if you give me enough things, I'll try to fall in love with you, Jesus. Everybody say, not that. But actually, I get who you are, and I get you're in charge, and I'm in. Sacrificially loving you with all I've got, you get my attention. Do you love Jesus Christ? Are you willing to follow him with all you've got? And that's the call. Let's pray.